This is 10 Minutes of Science, a Women in Ophthalmology initiative supported by Johnson & Johnson. We have invited ophthalmologists who are leaders in their field to discuss a journal article of their choice. My name is Robin Troutbeck. I'd like to introduce Dr. Name Deva. She's a consultant at the, at the Auckland Hospital Eye Institute and is an honorary, honorary senior lecturer at the University of Auckland. She has a doctorate in medicine for research into the modulation of wound healing and inflammation in the eye. Welcome, Name. Thanks very much, Robin. It's really nice to be here. Could you begin by telling us the name of your article and why you chose it? So I would like to discuss the Vici trial, which is a pleura known for chronic central serous chorioretinopathy uh, in patients with active but previously untreated disease um, and who have had CSCR for four, uh, more than four months. Um, why do I decide to talk about it? Well, I don't know about anyone else, but I feel like I'm tripping over patients with CSCR at the moment. Certainly when you emailed, um, I was just, inundated with them in clinic. I know it might be my scope of practice, but I feel like we're seeing a lot more of it. And um, it was a little topical because I do do uh, half-fluence uh, photodynamic therapy, which is one of the treatment options uh, for CSCR, but there is a mass shortage of vertiporfin in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. My last um, PDT was in May 2021. And we yep. have got an estimated arrival of February 2022, uh, yep. apparently, but that's not yes. even guaranteed, right? It's the same issue correct. in Australia, isn't you it? Don't, correct. We don't even know when we're getting it. And we don't even hardly have any lasers available to do it. So you're definitely ahead of us in Victoria. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think, I think there's still scope for PDT. It's a different topic from where we are today, but I think there's scope for it. And I think we're losing quite a bit by just putting it aside um, over the years. But yeah, the, certainly the lack of vertiporfin is a real issue. Yes. And certainly COVID, I think, has increased maybe circulating cortisol levels. And <laughs> yeah, that's why I, we're I, seeing I, more of it. I know. I, I'd put money on it because I, I really, when you did email, I thought, oh my God, there's just so much CSCR. So I thought it was timely yep. to have a look at um, some of the treatment options uh, that are out there. And certainly the Vici yes. trial um, uh, came to Very mind. Very topical. So, yep. Yeah. What happened with the study? What, how was the study conducted? What, what so, is the design of the study? Very well designed. It is a randomised, uh, placebo-controlled, parallel group um, study that was really designed as a superiority trial. Uh, to look at whether there is a role for pleuronone in the treatment of chronic central serous chorioretinopathy. Uh, CSCR was defined as chronic um, if it was there for more than four months in duration and, you know, all your typical OCT and clinical parameters uh, to fit with the clinical diagnosis. It was conducted in 22 centres throughout the UK. Um, patients were who were eligible, had CSCR, like I said, for more than four months and uh, were between the ages of 18 and, 20, uh, and 60 years of age. And they were randomly assigned to either a pleurone or a placebo. Um, if, you were, uh, if you had a, a CNB, 
or any other disease that could affect your visual acuity or cause retinal fluid uh, to accumulate at the macula or have hyperkalemia, you were excluded from the, um, uh, from the trial. And in the treatment arm, uh, patients got uh, 25 milligrams of the pleuronone for one week, and the, if it was tolerated, increased to 50 milligrams a day. And uh, in the placebo arm, they got a lactose um, pill to take uh, on a daily basis. And everyone was masked, you know, the pharmacists and the, and the people assessing the patients. So it was very tidy in that regard. You took the tablet every day um, till there was resolution of subretinal fluid. And uh, you were still monitored after that. And if there was recurrence, you um, took the, uh, you were back on the treatment and the, it was built up the same way, the 25 milligrams for a week and then up to 50 milligrams. Uh, patients were reviewed uh, at one week and then at one, three, six, nine, 12 months. And they had a lot of um, different secondary outcome measures, but the primary outcome measure was best creature visual acuity at 12 months uh, adjusted for baseline. So what did the results show? Uh, results was very clear and unequivocally uh, there was no benefit in um, using a pleurone in the treatment of active CSCR. There was a mean uh, benefit of 1.5 ETDRS letters in the pleuronone group, but um, yeah, that was no difference at all. And the study was powered to pick up a difference of greater than 5 ETDRS letters between the group. Um, they screened like nearly 400 patients and they wanted to recruit 104 patients, but the, there were a total of 114 patients in the study. So it was adequately powered to pick up um, uh, any difference if there was. There were a number of secondary outcome measures from um, low luminance best corrected visual acuity to subretinal thickness, time to resolution of uh, subretinal fluid uh, and also recurrence and fluorescein angiogram findings, as well as patient reported visual function. And none of them met any, uh, showed any statistically significant difference between the two eyes, between the two groups rather. Yep. This is some, and this is clearly somewhat depressing when this is a condition for which there are often limited options with what to do, as you said, given that we don't have any option at this moment um, to use Visudine. What? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's, and we've thrown a lot of things at it, you know, over the years. Yeah. Uh, Rifampicin, you know, what, any, yes. a number of different uh, medications. And, I remember like in two, 2015, 16, it was uh, using uh, a pleuronone. It was quite the rage, you know, you, you kind of, that was the thing. And, and I think it is important to revisit studies like this in a time where we are really don't have any other treatment options because if we yeah. are going to practice evidence-based medicine, despite, you know, I, I think it's important to remember it. I, I have found myself increasingly mentioning this again to patients recently. Yes. Um, yes. And, and in complete honesty, I do have one patient on it and it yep. works. He's had PDT and it's come back and I can't yep. do it again. And he's now dry yes. and he's on this, but the data definitely shows that we should not be using yep. this 
in the context of CSCR. Yeah. And the authors were very, um, they, they really were very clear that this was their conclusion from their trial. Um, did you read or anything about any limitations of the study that, is there any sort of um, subgroups that may do better in any way? I mean, one thing I did read is that if they weren't dry, they could do PDT, give these patients PDT on the trial. And there were yes. more patients who received PDT in the placebo group versus the group, the aplerinone group. I don't know whether that yes. makes any difference. Yeah, but the numbers were very small in both accounts yeah. um, uh, who received the PDT. And the second issue with this was also, uh, you know, high potassium because that's our main concern. Yes. With well, that's um, a good point to bring up. Yep. Yeah. So, so side um, effects of the plerinone. Yep. That's right. And so hyperkalemia um, is a, a rare but significant, um, you know, side effect that we have to be aware of. And fourteen percent of patients in both groups had hyperkalemia in this uh, study cohort. But it was very much an ophthalmologist definition of hyperkalemia. I mean, anyone who had more than five millimoles of per liter of potassium had the drug stopped indefinitely. And I think on retrospect, that's, um, it, it, that's quite conservative. But it was interesting to note that the same number of patients in both groups um, yeah. uh, uh, had that parameter. But that's certainly one of the concerns uh, with this uh, drug and that yeah. All the patients that I have had on it in the past have had to have regular blood tests, and I usually get the GP involved and make sure that yeah. uh, it's all perfectly fine too. So there is a safety component to it. What were the other limitations? I think um, one of the main ones um, that has been discussed at the study and the authors have responded is whether they uh, adequately picked up any uh, choroidal neovascularization, particularly yeah. type 1 or sub-RPE um, uh, choroidal neovascularization, which can be associated with this, and whether fluorescein angiography is sufficient um, uh, to pick it up with the speckling that you can get. It, it's quite easy to miss, yeah. and you they haven't used yeah, OCTA to, in this. Yeah. 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 Uh, it all so that was, that's right. And the other was that both groups had six, nine baseline vision. So if you're expecting yes. a, a five year to go. improvement, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, but then the objective parameters, the anatomical parameters were showed no difference. So I think you can conclude that this is a, yes. it's a very good study and it doesn't have a role, but it, there are set of limitations with this study, um, yeah. you know, it, 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 that I think we need to be aware of. Yes. And, and really take it on board and therefore not prescribe it. Therefore not prescribe it, no matter how desperate. You yes, are exactly <laughs> when you keep seeing these patients, and it's terrible. Yes. And fingers crossed, we get some busy nights soon. Thank you so much, Name. No, thank you very much for having me, Robin. And I think it's wonderful that uh, we're doing these series, it's really nice to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on 10 Minutes of Science. See you next time. <laughs>